Welcome to the Vulgara Tours, where we explore the filmographies of genre filmmakers. This week, we are wrapping up uh, Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy with 2005's Lady Vengeance. It's 2005, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Um. <clears throat> so, we talked Ontario. last time... Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should probably say our names. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's always someone's first time. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Paco. I'm Terry. I'm Jason. And if this is your first time, uh, be warned. This movie's a bummer and we're going to spoil it. <laughs> um, so, you know, go watch it, bum yourself out, and then come back and listen to this. So, uh, well, I think. Oh, go ahead, Jason. No, you go ahead, please. Uh, we were talking last time about Old Boy and how it's a like stylistic leap from uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which was more naturalistic. Um, and I'd say Lady Vengeance, he's going even more stylized than Old yes. Boy. Mm-hmm. And um, playing with, you know, chronology a lot more and he's doing a lot of really innovative technical stuff and i think the reason he's doing that is because the plot of this movie is really boring um <laughs> god damn it god damn it Paul. uh you i, you, I knew you, you were loved, building us up you love to pair <laughs> insightful analysis with <laughs> then like a reductive conclusion and it's oh man <laughs> hey man all i'm saying is the plot if it wasn't like fiddled with chronology chronologically the plot would take like 10 minutes to work out like it's very simplistic no but this is one of those things where like it's what's more important is the journey not the destination like we we know how the movie is always going to end it's it's the third one in the trilogy it's called lady vengeance we know vengeance will be achieved but what's more important and interesting in my opinion is how and not just how, but the kind of the character development that proceeds, and then the absolutely wild conclusion, the Jesus just Christ. no holds barred, yeah, like just, just. I the love murder. that dude who brings like a battle axe. Uh, <laughs> that was rad. <laughs> he just like pulls well, it up also, out of nowhere. Like of all the the uh, vengeance trilogy, like how how do they all fit? together thematically and like like in terms of like where our main characters end up you know between um well i think the overall point is that uh revenge will do nothing but ruin your life yeah and i feel like this one is slightly less obvious with it um, but it's more contagious. Like I don't she kind I, of with using parents. They mm-hmm. all have revenge, and it it's cathartic. And there's reasons why that revenge feels. It's it's cathartic, but it doesn't change the reality. Like the 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 thing that stuck with me when watching this, because like you're right. Like we we all kind of root for the ending to see everyone take their turn. Uh, again on uh park favorite Choi min sik uh just <laughs> doing another great job uh <clears throat> but what what to me really sticks out is that 
all of these people will leave and they'll take both the uh like memory of the recording they saw of their child being murdered and the knowledge that they like murdered his murderer like there's there's something really kind of like perverse like it's a secret they're they're uh i don't know that it's like subtle that that there's like an implication here that that vengeance is brutal and that it ruins your life like can you imagine like seeing a video of your child dying like you don't you don't walk away from that okay no that you already, fucks you up that's well, what i'm saying like the vengeance hasn't it really hasn't been cathartic because that's going to permeate that trauma from that entire experience will yeah. permeate everything. It, it, exactly. I mean, like there, there's like a, there's like a, 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 you know, instant gratification uh, when you like see his body. But like, again, that suffering, there does nothing to alleviate the loss of a child. But on the other hand, they've already suffered so much through this. Like, obviously this is going to add some burden, but it might add a level of catharsis as well. Like, uh, you know, there's that part where the family's talking about how they lost everything, like, because they were, you know, broke, and then they had to, like, scrounge for a ransom and lost the house, and now their family won't talk to them. And then the rich family next to them is like, uh, my son-in-law fled the country and my daughter killed herself. Like, so they all have these awful scars as a result of the first violence. That I don't know. They're already so damaged. I don't know that the murder itself is going to break them anymore. Um, no, uh, no, but it's certainly not going to go any way towards like healing. I would say, and I and I think that's kind of the point. It's it's a it's a reaction to a terrible trauma, but they all are kind of sinners, and I think that's a big theme here. Is that like. You know, uh, at the beginning, she she seems nice, but it's actually like no, she's like kind of really diabolical and evil, and and the the sort of you know links people will go to to enact their vengeance. Like I think Park is interested in exploring that. Like here is like you know a, a parent's grief, uh, and it's really savage. But again, all of them are already so broken that that like you know that that act is almost like expected you know what i mean like there's a really there's a lot of psychology here and i think it's interesting to kind of like unpack that and i think that's uh the strength of this movie is is like really digging deep and trying to understand that whereas the other movies i think are uh i don't i don't want to like they're 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 stylish but they're almost like kind of sensationalized and there's not a lot of the really intense or or uh edgelordy kind of violence in this movie and i think mm-hmm. that allows it to kind of be more uh pensive i think and i think that's I... like the greatest strength of it is that it it leaves you with like a different kind of uh vibe than than the other two it it, it is slightly uplifting but in a really kind of resigned way. It's fatalistic, but it accepts that not like it's the least nihilistic, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. Like I walked away last night feeling like, I think what park is going for here is nuance. Like uh, there's a lot more complexity to it, but the nuance didn't really 
work for me and it just didn't feel like as coherent a um theme like he was just sort of doing a lot of different things and it doesn't feel like he had an overall like you said i think in last week's episode that these movies are kind of like myths uh or fables and like a fable has a clear moral and this is the only one where i feel like the moral is really undercooked at best like it doesn't it doesn't I, feel I know, I think the... like it's of a party with the other two movies. Sorry, just one sec. It feels like he's uh, he's bored of doing these vengeance movies and he's trying to explore new things. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a mythology, like the idea of like Lady Vengeance, someone that comes in the night. The way that this movie's framed is kind of like an origin story of I mean, well, even like near superhero. the end of the movie. Yeah. Near, like at the end of the movie, she looks like you know, one of those werewolf underworld you know, yeah. movies and stuff. And like, she's slowly like the red rouge or the rouge um, eyeshadow and people yeah. are like commenting on it. And she's like, I think the, the like, I, I've i seen this movie before and I've enjoyed it, but I, I still have a hard time connecting with all of the characters and the needs because I think it it's nonlinear where it cuts back and forth between the present where she's been released from prison after uh, being convicted of murdering a, a little uh, a boy. And when she's coming out of prison and reconnecting with her old like cell uh, mate friends and stuff, um, it keeps going back and forth. And, and for some reason, like I'm, I still have a hard time like connecting with her as a character as much as a shell, like a myth, like, santa claus i'm not explaining this right no i think that's a good point because she's like this she's unknowable she put on one friend while she was in jail and then when she got out just discards it and is a complete piece of shit to everybody so it's like who's the real her well at the end of the movie it's almost like she's conjured up all of the townsfolk to murder the monster and it's it's like I think that's where it's that sense of morbid like community too, and the idea of the power of judgment, and like it, it's I, I don't know it, it's kind of like it it did feel like a like a myth of some kind like it, it was kind of interesting yeah um, I I that's that's what I like about it though I think that uh, it's it isn't as focused as the other two but I don't think that that uh, like lessons. Uh, the sort of uh, moral here, but it's more that like you're right, Paco. Uh, I don't think he's bored, but I think he is out, kind of outgrowing uh, some of his roots. And this movie, it, I you described it as style over substance, and I don't I, like that is true, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that uh, Park is really kind of stretching his wings and he's he's taking uh the sort of fantastic elements the 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 really kind of uh interesting stylization of old boy and some of the uh, kind of neo-realist aspects of of sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and I think it kind of culminates in this yes it's less focused but because it's kind of an avant-garde art house 
experience i i I think it's like you kind of just have to vibe you you have to like sit Mm -hmm. back and and watch it happen and just enjoy the kind of beauty of its presentation Mm -hmm. it's definitely the most vibe based of the movies yeah even then it's got like these weird interludes that like uh why did she fucking kill the puppy? Is it to like get herself yeah, ready it, to kill? Because she's already that's killed. That's what I wrote. I like, okay. So the way that I read that <laughs> scene is that that was like not something that happened. That there were a number of moments in the film that were either uh, like misleading or like th- that she's essentially like a unreliable narrator, and it's it's not even necessarily uh, lady. Oh, shit. Evan, I never say to cut this out, but you probably should. But you won't. I know you will, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, Young A, uh, uh, like, oh, I lost it. Fuck, fuck. Uh, Evan, I pissed it all keep, away. Keep all this in. <laughs> uh, you think she's an unreliable narrator? Oh yeah, yeah. I I um, think at the very end, uh, you there's like voiceover. That, that implies that it's actually the daughter who's narrating the story. Yeah, and it's kind of unclear if it's actually the daughter, because it feels at different points like different characters are narrating parts yeah, of it. same. Right, and, and so I guess I think there's like an unreliable narrator quality to it. And so I wasn't always convinced that what was happening was what was happening. Kind of like you said, Jason, that she conjures the townsfolk to kill the the guy but like i like can we even really be assured that's what happened and does it actually matter like i don't know i mean i think it matters i i think one of the interesting things about this movie is she gives them a choice and they choose instead of trusting in society to take matters into their own hands well, um, I, I think, well, but that's where I think this is the similarity to the sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Like, Park is uh, doing some, like, societal commentary here to some extent. Definitely. I mean, would, you say that, would you say that that's kind of the case with the rape scene in the prison? Where, uh, which is, despite, like, the subject, is one of the most compelling scenes where uh, one of the inmates is being forced to uh, perform sex on another and you see someone in the background like you know drop down to the floor and scrub it it was like they're scrubbing something on the tile or whatever oh yeah um (laughs) and then i mean when uh she gets out of when the lady gets out of the tub and slips and falls and like it's just so unexpected and strange and then the bleach feeding her bleach and stuff it was almost like showing them these women that like the power that they have too is like it, it that's that's more of like the oral narration of like maybe it was multiple viewpoints uh narr- narr- narrating this that mm-hmm. like she does seem when she's coming out of prison in the beginning of the movie like one of her first happy dreams was her like murdering a der- like a disfigured uh like nightmare uh horse thing um so it's like clearly you know dog. That she's i think it was a dog but either way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he was like a, a dog, dog on like <clears throat> on like wheels it was like a little cart yeah it, it's just it, it seems like she's otherworldly um yeah well yeah mm-hmm. and i think that goes with the mythological she's like 
an avatar of vengeance. There's there is a sort of like almost like demigod quality here. And well, she went to prison for something she didn't do. Yeah, I mean, already she's the like. Well, but but we also find out that the cop basically coached her. So there's yeah. there's sort of an intimation that she either told the cop the story or he somehow figured it out and then was in on it, which is also kind of interesting in and of itself this sort of yeah complicit nature of of law enforcement here or even just that individual detective the, like well, i don't think is he was in on it uh, it's more like he wanted a case solved and he was willing to put an innocent person away to do it um uh, because I, no because I, he was coaching he, he her like I, a weapon, I, yeah yeah and then later on she just joined he just joins up with her like no i think this is another one of those things where Remember they say that uh, people want to help uh, uh, Lee Kumja. Like she mm-hmm. just has that quality about her. That, that and again, there's something almost otherworldly about her that she she kind of uh, elicits everyone's help no matter what. Like the one lady goes and lives with uh, Choi Min Sik, and he, so he can just like fuck her at the table every day. God, like, this is an yeah. incredible yeah, that scene. Commitment. That's a lot of sacrifice. Right. Well, yeah, um, yeah, and that's the, these characters are acting like against apostles, their their own interests. No, exactly, exactly. There is this, which sort is, of, is like which is lady, because she rebukes she rebukes the preacher guy who is Mister Han, the, the white haired guy. From, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, old boy. But she, I feel like they do like at one point, don't they? Like sort of halo around her. That's, Yes. Sort of implies yeah. she's some kind of angel. She, she, she says she yeah, could saintly. see the glow coming from her for her face. Yeah. yeah. The, the, it's like the, Joan of Arc hallucinations. Yes. yes. Like there's there's literally a martyr complex yes. to her. And that's what also leading up, like because of the other movies, I was expecting her to die at the end because she was also s- still complicit in, you know, like that yeah. it would be cyclical. Um, so it was just, it was surprising. I, I felt like this was uh, such a. a departure from the other two like it it felt the most mature of yes all of them i see and, i would say it feels the most immature uh, uh, it, in a it way it feels like so much it feels it's, more if, like an exercise than a complete full no, film uh, because I, I i feel elements of jsa in this too it feels like the most it's it park feels so comfortable in this territory to me. I mean, you also have Lee Young-A, A, who is one of the leads in JSA too. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, she's fantastic. Oh, that is her. She's the investigator. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I just... about that. I mean, I think one of the things that's both interesting about it and doesn't work for me is how it's so open-ended that we can look at it and like interpret it any number of ways I like love that about i it, though i like kind of old boy <laughs> well terry loves incest uh um, i'm never this is just forever <laughs> it's it's gonna be the worst um but listen to the um, last episode for uh, full context <laughs> i uh i think the cop like i don't view it as he was because why would he be helping put her away other than he's just trying to get the case solved? And like, but, but seems... if he just wanted to solve the case, then why would he have let, let all of them get away with murder yeah. at the end? He was yeah, but literally was teaching there... them how to stab the guy and not yeah. hurt themselves. Yeah, he was because... doing a psycho stab motion. Because <laughs> the difference is, in the meantime, like 
his laziness ended up so four other kids died um, because he was willing to pin her. And like the fact that he was willing to do it when he kind of it's implied always knew it wasn't her. Like when he and his wife are at the bakery and they have like just kind of a like, oh, it's been a long time type moment. Uh, and then his wife won't eat the cake because she thinks he's. Uh, but I like, don't. I don't think he went to the bakery as a mistake. I don't think that's a happenstance. Yeah. Again, like I, I think he's in on it. And I, but I think the beauty of this film is that it's vague enough that like both of us could be right. That's the thing. It's not clear exactly. And again, uh, the sort of potential unreliable narrator aspect of it. There's so much here that it, that you kind of are left to piece together yourself. And I think that really helps this movie it's the 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 kind of the vibes and the uh sort of less intense focus you kind of just it it it's the easiest to watch i would say of the trilogy by far i, I don't know the the like just the ending the last 30 minutes it it reminded me of like uh prisoners where it was like you uh the uh denis venue uh movie prisoners with hugh jackman where like it's about like seeking your own justice on your own terms and stuff and it shows the depravity and like the really downward spiral of where vengeance and where Mm -hmm. that 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 type of thinking will take you um and it's it's crazy because when the parents are gathered to watch the tapes like it's one of those surprising moments i completely forgot about was like it's almost playing like snuff films where the parents are breaking down and you're listening to this audio. And then you're like literally seeing dude, these like kids begging for their oh, lives. Man, and then scene. there's the, there's the chair moment that just was shocking. And, and it, it, it genuinely shook me uh, similar to the sympathy for Mr. Vengeance with the, the girl in the, the casket and the mm-hmm. crematorium and stuff like th- This just disturbed me on a different level and that was what was echoing through my mind during the part where the parents were enacting revenge, because it's like he's not just going to show all of that to be edgy and be like black. I think that it's like you're then put into the shoes of like it's just like a different I don't know. It's like the movie shifts to this really strange neutral space where it's it's who is a hero what is what are they do what they're doing is it right and it, it's i don't and know it's just kind of it's super haunting it's super see, that's graphic. what i find kind of sophomoric about it is because park clearly has ideas about the validity of revenge he's just made two movies talking about how fucked it is and like He's doing this thing in this one where, like I said, I think he's trying to, like, showcase why the characters want to do it. But it still just feels like he's sort of okaying this thing that he's just spent so much time being like, well, it it never leads anywhere good. Uh, Like, it, it feels almost like it. Obviously, he's not endorsing killing anyone, but... It, you you get more pleasure out of it than you do any of the other movies anybody's death you know but i don't 
I think allowing your audience to walk away from your, from your movie and only feel uh, lightly broken as opposed to totally shattered. Like, I don't know. I, I, I understand your point, but I still think that Park's uh, sort of distaste for uh, like the, the sort of effects of vengeance is on display here. It's just not as uh, savage and unforgiving as the other two. And I like, and I'm okay with that though, because like, I, I think the message still resonates. It just doesn't, it's just not such a gut punch. And I'm like, I don't know that you have to be an edgelord about it to, to make your point. I, I guess is kind of what I'm getting at here. Like, I think that, I mean, I would argue that the edgelordness isn't what makes those other movies gut punches. It's the real emotional stakes that he puts in. Um, what there are real and, emotional stakes in this movie. Oh, yeah. I'm not disputing that. I just feel like this is kind of like, you know, I had some fucking great gut punches. And this is like a, a tiny slap to the face. Like... If I'm going to watch something that makes me feel bad, I want to feel all the way bad, you know? Like, no, I don't, don't want to. I, I am perfectly fine <laughs> stopping at like station one instead of going to like Mount Doom. I'm, I'm good. I'm good getting off early. Like, I think if you want to torture yourself, like by all means, but, but I'm going to, I'm going to tap out before we get to fucking uh, Pausolini and doing like solo. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like. It's it's much more effective than the other movies because it's so no, much more No, the other two movies No, the other two movies are like literally like emotionally scarring. This movie Exactly. Is, this no, movie is forgettable. I don't think that I don't know, it's not forgettable. It's memorable. It's just not shattering. Like I think what you're expecting is that like you want a catharsis that is so total that you're reduced to like a puddle on the floor, and I don't think that that's necessary to make a point about vengeance. I, but I, I, I okay. I, Here's what I'll say: nothing you've said is wrong, but <laughs> okay. Imagine you're watching Star Wars one, and it ends with like Jedi fighting Sith. Then you watch Star Wars two, and it ends with Jedi fighting Sith. And then Star Wars 3, it's like the Jedi just kind of chill and the Sith go fuck off on their own. Like, there, it doesn't meet the expectations the trilogy has been building to. But and, I also think that this is a trilogy in a much looser sense than Star Wars, and that's why yeah. I don't think that's a great comparison. It, okay. Like the... The, the the trilogy was really like an English fabricate like it wasn't built as a trilogy it was more of like what it was called it, it, after it's, the fact. it's more con- it's more comparable to the Cornetto trilogy which does have a greater yeah. through line but is much more mm-hmm. divergent plots like character wise and the Cornetto trilogy is uh, sort of him riffing on Kozlowski's Three Colors trilogy which I would argue is the best comparison because those are emotionally devastating movies too um and you know what? All three of them are emotionally devastating. Like, there's not but two let, emotionally devastating no, ones, you, and then one Lady that's Vengeance like, is yeah. still emotionally Lady devastating. Like, what, what kind of fortitude do you have to watch this movie and walk away saying, like, no, nah, I'm good. I could watch it, like, again and not flinch. Like, what the hell is... Like, you know what I mean? Like, this movie is incredibly emotionally devastating. What part would you flinch at? 
Wait, wait. Oh, Jason oh, described oh, the whole oh scene where where he kicks the chair out from under the little girl and she hangs herself, like, <laughs> or, or is hanged to death, I should say. Uh, as well, the scene where a group of people murder a man, like, in cold blood. Like, there's, uh, but there's, that guy deserved it. Like, of course, but there are a dozen scenes in this movie that are incredibly difficult to watch. The, the I guess brutal for, rape scenes, the abuse. Like, can I just, like, there's a list, bro. Uh, yeah, I mean... I there's don't know. more foot trauma. I mean, there's Jesus, between trauma. this and sympathy um, for Mr. Vengeance, I don't think Park likes feet. I think that's like a he's the anti-Tarantino. Like, Tarantino. Oh, you like feet? Look at what I'm going to do to it. Fucking Tarantino is fucking Mr. Big. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is the traumatic moments in this movie kind of serve a wider purpose, but they don't make the movie as a whole as cohesive as they do in the others. And like some of them, like the chair one, I'm just like, how the fuck did he get that shot? Which pulls me out of it because that shit looks way too real. Um, so like whenever that happens, I get pulled out of the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like a fucked up movie, but it's like, it's like going from death metal to like a Ramones album. Which you know? I just is still dope. But I, I also I think it, Yeah, it's, I it's, love it's, the Ramones. No, but. but I mean it nails home the idea of like no matter if you're in prison or you're outside of prison, you're still a prisoner to your own like need. Yeah, she for, she's like, out of prison and she never leaves prison. It's Odaisu is released, but he's in a bigger prison. It's the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I, I think it's, it's showing too that, yeah, I don't know that this because one, like, yeah. What quality of life does she have after her vengeance is achieved? Like exactly. Yeah. That's a good point. I don't know. I'll like, allow it. I, I, I see your points, yeah. but I guess I'd like that this movie doesn't make me feel wrecked afterwards. <laughs> like I like, I, it, I would watch Lady Vengeance sometime in the future but it's going to have to be a long time before I consider watching Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance again because it is so incredibly difficult to get through. Interesting. I uh, I think I would be watching Mr. Vengeance before either of the other two again just because I feel like it's the most impressive film of the three. Like, I think it's the best of the bunch. Me too. I... And- I as much as I like Lady Vengeance, I think it's my third favorite of the bunch too. As much as I like it, it's just it's. I think it's it needs to marinate a little more. I think. I think it's a lot. Lady, I think Lady Vengeance might be my favorite, but I think that objectively, Sympathy for Mister Vengeance is probably the best of the bunch. Like as far as like what he's doing stylistically and with like the social commentary, I think mm-hmm. it's like a really incredible movie to just come out after jsa like mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's super confident and it's so it's but it, it's just too hard to watch <laughs> like it's too much for me i i don't know man it's so it's so rare that i've come across a movie that's just like too much for me but that's really how i feel e- even jsa which i think is closer to uh, lady vengeance and tone is very very difficult but nothing quite like sympathy for mr vengeance which is just so it just uh it just it I never stops finding a way to devastate you. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And, and I, I like that Lady Vengeance and Old Boy 
I mean, we we kind of differed on our opinions about perhaps the ending of Old Boy, but I feel like there's at least <laughs> a slight moment of like tiny bits of levity or or because you love incest. <laughs> Yeah. Hashtag. Terry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Jerry> loves incest. <laughs> you should tweet that from the vulgar auteurs account, no. dude. <laughs> we don't want those type of fans. Oh boy! It's like I, I love my movie podcast with my pro incest podcast. It's like they're a good mix. I mean, I feel like ninety percent of Pornhub these days are like incest fetish shit so there's an audience out there if we uh if we want to play to it or like fake incest it's like it's always like stepmother porn yeah yeah it's never full incest but i just that's still so gross to me like fucking your stepbrother your stepmom is still not cool oh Um, for sure but i'm saying like psychologically one of them is illegal, and the other one is taboo. Aren't they not, both not illegal? Not to kink shame. Not to kink shame. No, you can fuck your stepmom. That's totally fine. Okay. Well, assuming you're both 18. Well, of course, of course. And if, and consenting and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, But yeah, yeah. There's nothing illegal about that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, do you guys have your Romeo and Juliet cards <laughs> laminated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, in Oregon, the age of consent yeah. is... Uh, Evan put in what the yeah. age of consent is here. One, eight. Established <laughs> in, put the date in here. <laughs> yeah. You gotta be careful with Oregon, though, because you're also like, up until, like, you know, 1899, Oregon was a whites-only state. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're pretty fucked. We're a bad state. We are. We bad really state. Are. Bad. Yeah. Stop being racist, state. Uh, God, if only it was that easy. Uh, so on that note, saving face, uh, should go on in just a minute. Cause I need to pee. Uh, Terry, what did you think of the red marble? Like, I, I, I didn't know what to think about it. Do you mean like stylistically? Yeah. Like, well, like what is the deal? I'd say he's a serial killer. It's, it's a trophy. That's how I read it. Okay. Because, because there were. The, the ch- there were four other charms, so there were four other murders. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I read that. Okay. That was just, like... And especially given the era, like, like phone charms were a big thing in Asia around that era. Oh, and, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, it's like a really, really kind of gross reminder. Man, that's so fucked. Yeah. Well, no. That's a, Paco is, like, it's not Dude. that devastating. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, about? are you a psychopath? <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, that's not what I'm saying, no. but it's like, I still think it's equally devastating. Yeah. It's just it, it, surprising. It just, it's a silent brew. You know, it just kind of like, I'm still thinking about it. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's just kind of, it, it, it creeps me out on a, a different level. Like the last 30 minutes, it, it, I mean, the torture scene from sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, it's like, it's not that. So, like, I, I was thinking though, there Park has a thing about like food in the Vengeance trilogy, yeah. oh, where yeah. like it's really central to like the plot in a certain way, and like wasting and he, cake. It's like what the fuck between well, but, throwing but, but, the like, cake she, down and then she did was she eating it or she didn't share it with anyone? No, she was becoming white. It was like it was it's like the oh, tofu. She, oh, like the baptism. 
Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's like eating the tofu. So was she supposed to? But couldn't she have like cut out off a slice? I mean, she could have. But it's you like saw Larry pick, David. But you you saw everyone when they got out of prison. They just picked up that fucking loaf of tofu and ate it. Yeah, dude, I would. I love raw tofu. Uh, I I don't I'm like just raw tofu toe. that much. Dude, that was the thing because I was like, "What the hell are they eating?" And then I realized it was just like a brick of tofu. And I was like, "Oh yeah. no, dude, no <laughs> thanks." Like I like tofu. Don't get me wrong, but not that much. Oh man, <laughs> especially like all wet. That's the thing. Like you gotta cook yeah. that shit, man. Like if you have it on like a, in like a salad after it's been like properly kind of drained and it's but but it, when it's in a salad it's dressed. That's true. Yeah, like I'm just not gonna eat like a just. When when you're cutting up tofu to put in your salad, do you snack on it? Like I don't normally. Well, if do there that. if it's fried tofu, you know, like the ones you get at okay, like, Asian okay, food markets. Yeah. I will. Those eat. are good. I mean, that pre- it is pre cooked. Those yeah, yeah. those pre fried tofu's those rule. Yeah, I agree. I, I used to I, eat those all the time. I've been making a bunch of like baked tofu, like slow baked, like not like jerky, but it's like these loaves that are just like dense. Yeah, that uh, sounds good. They're so good. Why do you why do you think she was cutting his hair off? Yeah, that was weird. Like a sort of symbolic mutilation. That's that's kind of what I thought, but I also had difficulty understanding that entirely. It was almost well. like she fisted his mouth too, like pen it, like you know. I was wondering if there was any cultural significance we didn't know about related to hair. Yeah. Um. I was yeah that too right. I I don't know I I I couldn't say i know way more about chinese and japanese culture than i do about korea unfortunately whenever i watch a foreign movie if they do something i don't understand i never know if it's because the character is being weird or if it's a cultural thing that i don't know about well like, i do think british that, like, people say the f word and then smoke a cigarette well, that's being true. weird but there's there's also like the passage of time in this uh, f- uh film and as well in like old boy there are like significant events in like recent Korean history, but it's difficult to have like any frame of reference for them as an American. And I think that it would like, I mean, one of them is nine 11 and that kind of resonates with us, but it's difficult to follow the other ones. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote a paper about that, um, in like college. Oh, hell yeah. About like what the different Korean historical moments were, and why they were important in South Korea. Uh, and I remember none of it now. I remember the the president who was the old dictator. I remember that that one. But well, well, rather, I don't remember it. I learned about it. Isn't that one of those things where Korean presidents are like governors of Illinois, where like you basically go to jail after you've done it? Because yes, is, but there's also but like part of the reason is because they were all like dictators well up to a certain point. no 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 i'm saying all the democratically elected ones aren't a, haven't a bunch gone to jail for corruption but i'm like, saying that's because they were like still kind of dictators like yes that's yes or like okay. or like related to the dictator like i think one of them was literally like his son or daughter or something yeah interesting well yeah it's it's wild We've gone off topic. Uh, I know, Jason, I know, right? It sounds like you're trying to get us back on topic. <laughs> I was just looking at the menu to ba- basilisk, and my my mouth is watering. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Well, Terry, uh, who, uh, which performance kind of stood out for you in Lady Vigeance? Yeah, 
I don't think that there are as many compelling performances in this movie as there are in the other two, though it is nice to see a couple little uh, uh, pop, like oh, people yeah. popping up from other park movies. Like, I mean, uh, King Song Ho pops up for a minute as like one of the henchmen <laughs> and stuff Dude, like he's, that. He comes it's and goes so, so fast. It was pretty it, impressive. It's surprising. Well, and I think he was even getting to be kind of a big uh, actor around that point, right? It was like after Memories of Murder, wasn't it? It was after Memories of Murder. I feel like it was also after The Host, yeah. but that might have yeah, been later that year. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. But e- e- either way, he was like getting up there. So it's interesting to see him play like a bit part in this. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's obvious that you kind of have to go for uh, Lee Young A uh, as as the main character. I mean, I think uh, we, we talked about it being like difficult to determine like what was her real personality but i think the fact that she sells both personalities the sort of unrepentant sociopath the uh well rather three the sort of um like too late like you know better late than never mother and then also the Mm -hmm. like religious zealot uh slash caretaker i it's really fun to kind of see the the various like forms it takes especially there's the scene where uh the the big bully woman with uh who who like slips and falls like she's like feeding yeah. her her like lunch and then like at one point she grabs that little thing of bleach and she just sprays down like the whole plate like there's like this really it's a super morbid moment but it with like with a smile on her face it's like like one of the funnier moments in the entire film it's like this really kind of hilarious black comedy and i think the fact that she can sell all of those parts really convincingly is testament to how well she does in this movie she is incredibly compelling in like all of those different facets of her persona i totally agree me too me too she's she's mine as well there's like this really creepy restraint behind her eyes like most of the movie we're really seeing through her eyes and we're kind of like she carries this movie and there's there's something really like I, I I overuse otherworldly, but there's something really haunting about her in this um, that shows how amazing her performance is. Like in my, you know, the only other one recently that I can think of is is her performance in, in JSA. And they're completely different performances with with like completely different textures and tones and such. And she's she has this like. This. I don't know. There, there's just like this threat that's behind her eyes too. Like there's this unpredictability that that makes her pretty compelling to watch. Like and and it's it's um, yeah, she just rocks. Yeah, she's like the opposite of Troy Min Sik yeah. last week. Uh, she uh, is like so contained and so restrained, but unpredictable at the same time um, that. I don't think she's as compelling, um, but I don't think that's her fault. I think it's just the kind of character it is. Uh, it doesn't feel like there's an explosion of violence at any minute, but we know that there is, which is kind of fascinating in its own way. Mm. But she feels yeah. so calculated that you know she's not going to just like blow her top and like kill mm. someone she's waiting for the precise moment uh which i think is it's really fascinating and i think 
it's a really hard role and she fucking yeah. kills it absolutely well she's she's the witch and it's sort of her vengeance is enacted like almost through magic she convinces a mm-hmm. cop to aid and abet a murder i mean like it's there's so many of these like kind of fanciful moments that are just like kind of equally delightful but like strange like the scene where she goes to australia and gets hammered with yeah. like the foster parents of her daughter like and like yeah. they're just like smoking yeah. weed like falling over it's such a bizarre scene but i think it really helps to humanize her in a way it, it, even though you think that like maybe it's for like a point she still gets to like kind of let herself go and it's like kind of charming i completely agree and it's kind of fucked she doesn't have more of a career like yeah she's true. been in a few things but apparently netflix has like a movie she was in last year uh where she's like a dirty cop or something oh, that and fun. i i really want to check that out because i haven't seen anything she's done besides this in jsa but i know that like the television industry in korea is big too so it's a lot of the there's like some crossover where a lot of those actors will be doing like k-drama and shit too so like because I don't mm-hmm. watch that stuff, and I'm willing to believe that she might be in some of that, too. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. There's so much K-drama. They're, it, exactly. They're There's very prolific. Right. Um, so, did you guys see something? I feel like we should m- mention it before the Vengeance trilogy wraps up for now. Uh, that Park is discussing making a fourth Vengeance film. What? what? No, I didn't see that. No. no yeah, shit. this was... This was from 2019. It's in the Hollywood Reporter. Um, it was at, I think, Berlinale. Uh, no, it was at Busan. Uh, Kid Vengeance. He and, <laughs> Kid Vengeance was rule. Uh, <laughs> he and Costa Gravas uh, were sort of doing a talk together. And it turned out that he had read a book by Donald Westlake called The Axe that he was really mm. fascinated by and got the rights to but uh costa gravis uh has also done a version of it in like the mid odds so it's not really a remake but it's working from the same material and i think they had to negotiate for the rights but it sounds like it's maybe the next thing he's doing after uh the movie that comes out this year and it would be a return to revenge movies for him which that would, would be, be fascinating. Yeah, especially given his output in the years in between. Yeah. For him to do that, it, I think he'll bring something really interesting to it, assuming it happens. Interesting. So, I had no idea. I'm definitely going to put that on my radar, though. I mean, I'm pretty much going to see everything that Park does. I know we're not, you know, we're about halfway through Park's filmography, but kind of like yeah i've movies. been meaning to like it I'm watch gonna... little drummer girl for a long time mm. but i'm still only like five episodes into sense eight which i started when we were doing the wachowskis <laughs> i'm just really slow with tv uh, um, i really enjoyed sense eight except it's interesting. for a certain character yeah and it also has me curious about Babylon 5, which I've heard if you just get past like the first six episodes, gets really good. Yes, I, I actually like second that. I I watched Babylon 5 after Sensei because I liked uh, Straczynski or whatever his name is, his, mm-hmm. his like, sort of writing. I've only read his comic books. I've never seen any 
of the TV he's done. Do you, do you have oh, to watch Sense One or um, or can <laughs> you do like? You've got to watch Sense Six and Seven, but you can skip okay. the other five. Well, Babylon One. Or do I straight to five? You gotta go straight to five. Yeah, yeah. Babylon one's just awful. Babylon two has a couple good scenes, but it's not really worth it. Gotcha. Yeah, they don't really figure it out till Babylon (laughs) five. Oh boy. Well, thanks for listening. Um, Dead yeah. Join us next week for what? What's next week? I'm a cyborg, and that's okay. But that's okay. But assuming we can find it, because it's a hard movie to find. Ooh, that's a cliffhanger. This week's episode is a cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> Join us next week when we might pull a trick on you. <laughs> oh boy! You've been listening to the Vulgar Auteurs podcast with Paco, Terry, Evan, and me, Jason. Vulgar Auteurs is produced, engineered, and mixed by Evan. Art design is by Matthew Roland Ferris, who you can find on Instagram at PestoPasta44. All vulgar music is by Evan, and the best way to support the show is to tell your friends and follow us on Twitter at AuteursVulgar and Instagram at VulgarAuteursPodcast. Feel free to email us at VulgarAuteurs at gmail.com, and please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. No! Bad cats. Bad Bruce.